From the offices of Cocktail Collective, this is Cocktails to Stills, a podcast that takes your favorite spirits and liqueurs from the still to the cocktail glass. In each episode, we talk to distillers and creators about particular expressions that their brand have released, what they are, why they were created, and in what cocktails they can be used. Are you ready to understand what's in your glass, or perhaps should be? Welcome to Cocktails Distilled. You may have heard the term moonshine before to describe illegal liquor or the practice of Prohibition-era style backyard distilling, but the term and the spirit have come a long way. Over the past few years, the production of moonshine, or white whiskey, has not only become more accepted, but there are also a host of distillers who are reinventing the genre. One such distiller is Ben Bowles of Melbourne Moonshine, who has spent the last few years showing locals exactly what white lightning can be. To find out more, we talked to Ben about producing a spirit without age, reinventing the category, and exactly how this liquor should be used. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thank you for having me. Now, moonshine is typically very American. Why did you choose to distill that here in Australia? Yeah, so I'm originally from the U.S. and uh, grew up in the southeast in, in South Carolina. And that historically is an area where, where moonshine is produced. So it's what I grew up around. I have a family uh, tradition, and my family certainly has a history of making uh, moonshine. So for me, it was what I, I knew and what I grew up around. And uh, so when I moved to Australia, started making it in uh, the garage with my co-founder. Uh, Andrew Fitzgerald. And, and for us, you know, it was that journey of me teaching him how to make it and then teaching him the history. And uh, because there is such a, a rich cultural history around moonshine. And from there, w- we eventually got to the point where it was, uh, should we do this, you know, as an actual enterprise? And so we decided to actually put it on the market and, and make a real go of it. Tell us a little bit more about your family history with Moonshine. They produce it commercially or was it just something that was done in the backyard and given no, to family no, was, friends? <laughs> yeah, so it was it was not a commercial operation. I mean, I guess we have uh, family records, uh, you know, great, great, great grandparents uh, that did make Moonshine and produced on home distillation uh, units. I uh, have a... Uh, ancestor from 1800 who actually left his his still uh, in the, in his will to his son and he was a first generation Irish immigrant who obviously brought brought that with him when he came across uh so uh and that's been handed down through generations and you know it it, it was never that I know of it was never a commercial operation or, or even illicit illicitly so uh, to that size where they sold it. But, it, you know, it's always just a family tradition to, you know, make moonshine uh, kind of as a family, just to keep that, that family tradition going, uh, I guess. So it was, it's just that, you know, the culture of the area as well, uh, it's just kind of what uh, people in the area have always done. Now, what about moonshine made you think that it would work well in an Australian market? Uh, it's it's a very different spirit, and again, it's that connection back to the history uh, of what it is. You know, it, moonshine. Uh, the real uh, terminology of moonshine comes across 
from one people obviously trying to evade uh, paying taxes, but really from the prohibition era, you know, and, and that's the, the style of moonshine we make, the sour mash uh, original moonshine is really what you'd expect would have been made around the prohibition era when, you know, you, you had uh, moonshiners making it in, in the hills of Virginia and moving it up into the Chicago and New York areas. So it's uh, it's really able to, you know, we're able to extend that and and offer that locally. So because you know, it's it's just an interesting spirit, and and being able to share that in Australia, where you don't have that rich tradition of moonshine production here. If people have never tasted moonshine before, how would you describe it? The style that we make is more of a subtle spirit. So I would say that it has more of a creamy and a sweet note from it, not a uh, overly harsh taste or uh, notes. It's it's very, very approachable. And again, that's probably more to the way we actually produce it uh, because you have to be very gentle in, in production just to make sure that you don't get those really harsh uh, characteristics in it. Now, if someone's a whiskey drinker, when they approach moonshine, they're not, of course, getting the oak characteristics that they might be used to, how would they react, do you think, to uh, what you're producing? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's obviously uh, from the same base. So if if you're a whiskey drinking, uh, drinker and, you know, you uh, you have tasted new make, there are probably a lot of similarities to, to new make whiskey. However, uh, new make whiskey is probably a little bit more pungent got a lot more grain flavor to it uh, with the moonshine because we're not going to age it. Uh, we know that when we make it, uh, it has to be approachable and drinkable off the still. So it's no way to, there's no mellowing of the spirit in oak. There's no time for those really harsh chemicals to break down. So if it's, if it is, um, if it is, if it does come off uh, harsh, you're not going to be able to hide that or let that mellow out over time. But other than that, I would suggest that, you know, you still have the grain, uh, grain flavor, at least the nuances of the, those grain flavors, uh, particularly from the corn. So we make uh, our moonshine from, from corn, always the corn base. So those characteristics of the corn do come through, which is again, that creaminess and the sweetness that you expect in corn. But the, then it starts to diverge because you're not going to get those tannins or the vanillins or the sweetness uh, from the sugars. That, that you do get in whiskey uh, from the oak because, again, it's an unaged product. Does that mean that making moonshine is actually more difficult than making an aged whiskey? I would suggest it is because, again, you, you can't hide those flavors. There's no time for the mellow. There's no intermingling with uh, the components of wood. Uh, so the day it comes off the still, uh, it has to taste good because that's exactly what's going to go into the bottle. You've recently released a second brand, Gospel Whiskey. Has developing that changed the way you make moonshine or alternatively, has making the moonshine made the Gospel Whiskey a better product? I think we haven't changed the way we actually make our moonshine because we're putting out the our I guess our whiskey. So our uh, the gospel is a raw whiskey, but what what it's done I guess is let us focus a little bit more on that on the the whiskey side or, or the approach to whiskey. And through that, we'll probably we'll probably the moonshine itself will probably 
uh, store it leaning more towards just the flavored flavored products or the flavored skews. We'll probably stop making or at least cut back production of of the I guess the original style of moonshine uh, because again because it is so close to whiskey. Um, that way, it really allows us to concentrate on the gospel brand uh, and the raw whiskey that we are making. So concentrate on, on raw whiskey and the gospel concentrate on flavored products and moonshine. Tell us a little bit more about the flavored products that you already have with the moonshine and maybe a little bit about what sort of flavors you would like to explore in the future. Yeah, sure. So uh, flavored products for moonshine are probably those more historic uh, product flavors that you do expect with moonshine. So apple pie is probably the most famous, very traditional flavor. And then you have, we also have a sweet tea. Uh, so in the south of the U.S., you uh, sweet tea is a pretty common thing. If you go to anybody's house, they've got a um, they've got a jug of, of sweet tea uh, in the refrigerator. Not necessarily alcoholic, but uh, certainly is something that's consumed at every meal. Uh, sometimes even breakfast. So. Yeah, it's it's the, one of the most common things that they drink in the, in the U.S. and the Southeast. So that intermingling that into moonshine just made sense for us as well. Um, and we do have a, a a lightly aged version of the moonshine. Again, not not whiskey, but it is barrel aged version, a single cask uh, that we have as well. And, and those are really the three predominant ones that we we have. We have done other flavors before, uh, cascara. Uh, flavor, which is the coffee, uh, the cherry coffee husk around the coffee bean that we use to make flavored version with that. And then we've done other other projects like a uh, a Bloody Mary a moonshine flavor as well. But uh, future ones will probably, you know, maybe play around with blueberry or even pineapple. Uh, we haven't set what that next one will be, but we are definitely interested in in expanding that flavored range. If someone is drinking flavored moonshine for the first time how are they going to find it different from say a flavored vodka um yeah really great question because vodka is a blank palette it's very neutral uh, and it's supposed to be by nature uh, just alcohol just pure ethanol it does it is it is a completely blank canvas and with moonshine do have those underlying complexities that you don't want it to be a, a purely neutral spirit uh, you do want that grain influence and that creaminess and the sweetness. And because of that, it really gives a really good base uh, to add flavors and layers on top of that. Uh, and and put that in perspective, we we have tried using our, our neutral spirit, uh, so basically our vodka, uh, to use that to make flavored spirits or, or flavored versions of the moonshine. But it, it really it really just is one dimensional because you only get the flavor. You don't get that really the complexity that you get when you use moonshine as the base. So it really lets you start with a better base spirit to start layering the flavors on top of. So is it done in an infusion fashion? Uh, different, yeah, different styles. It depends. It really depends on what, uh, what the flavor is and what the base is for uh, our apple pie. So we actually use uh, apple juice, which uh, we're for, say, for our sweet tea, we actually use the, the tea bags or a massive giant tea bag infusion into into the moonshine. So uh, again, it really just depends on the, the style of flavor or what base, what flavoring agent we're going to be using in the moonshine. That brings up the interesting 
topic of the still setup. So we use a double distillation method, a two still setup to make our moonshine. It really replicates what moonshine in the States would have been made on. I mean, typically they do a single a single run, but it's still a double distillation method because moonshine still has what's called a thumper off the side of the pot. So it goes through the pot, distills out of that into your thumper, and then distills out of that uh, by way of the steam that's transferred into your thumper into a final collection vessel. Uh, what we use is, is a separate two-still setup. So we, we collect the low wands off of the initial run, and then we'll put that into our spirit still and then run that through again. So very much the same style of production that you expect in an aged whiskey setup. Is there a difference between the moonshine that you're producing and what can currently be found in the U.S. right now? Our moonshine is based on really the traditional style made in the Southeast. And I expect there's that many producers of moonshine now in, in the U.S. that I'm certain there there are some that are, are making the very traditional style that we make. I, I know I've tasted uh, quite a few that probably I would suggest use, uh, news, use industrial neutral grain spirit to produce the moonshine. So I'd say there's, you know, you can find both. Uh, however, you know what we what we make is that very traditional style. So we really like to stick to the to the hist historic methods uh, when we're making our moonshine. Would you say flavor is the way that innovation comes into moonshine? Uh, fl flavor really is where I'd say the most innovation is. You know, probably only so far you can take moonshine itself. I mean, you can certainly use different bases and and. By the pure definition of moonshine, it is the uh, distillation of a starch or sugar base. So moonshine can be made from anything. It can be made from any starch or sugar uh, substance that you can find. I mean, there's, there's stories of particularly back in the days when you know farmers would have a crop of, say, apples or cherries that would have been damaged by hell and, and they wouldn't have been able to sell at a market. So they'd sell them to the local moon, moonshiner and they would turn it into alcohol. You know, it's it's a way to still use those the goods that you know, may not be pretty, but still certainly have a lot of value. So again, we, we use corn as our base. And again, that's the very historic and traditional style, but there's nothing to say we couldn't make a rye-based moonshine. Now, we would never do that because we really want to be true to the other brand, the, the gospel. We really want to be true to the whiskey that we're making there. But you certainly, and, and there's moonshine out of Tasmania, and they use malt or use barley base. So there's, there can be innovation on that side. But again, you're going to be limited to effectively uh, new-make whiskey. Uh, so the, the innovation that I think it's really, uh, you really see happening in the moonshine world will be through flavor. Would you ever think of experimenting with apples or damaged fruits as you go forward? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we have. We've, we've looked at uh, doing that. Uh, I mean, it really is more based on the opportunity at hand. I don't think it'll be something we necessarily go out and, and search for, but if the opportunity presents itself, you know, if there's somebody that does have some fruit or grain, or we, we might look at using that in the moonshine. Uh, there's no, again, you know, it still has a lot of value. It's the starch or the sugar base. And, you know, even I think it speaks a lot to the day and age that we, we live in that every, every apple has to be exactly perfect to go on the shelf. And I think mm. that's probably a bit silly. So, you know, there's so much waste out there that 
there's perfectly good fruits that would get thrown away that you would certainly be able to turn into uh, some pretty delicious alcohol. So I, I think that, you know, if the possibility presents itself, we'd certainly look at it. Now, you guys have been going for five years down in Melbourne. Has it been difficult to get consumers away from their preconceived notions of what moonshine is? Yeah, it's definitely an educational experience to get people to get over the stigma of moonshine. It, it certainly does have those qualities about it from history that people think it's one either made in a bathtub or it's going to make them go blonde. And, you know, that, that obviously comes from the, the history of moonshine where people have added in chemicals just to make a few more dollars to sell it. But moonshine and through any distillation, it's extremely hard to produce anything that's actually going to hurt you uh, other than ethanol poisoning uh so alcohol poison that you can get by drinking just too much of it it's not dangerous in itself uh, other than uh, ethanol poisoning but it, it does have that stigma and that does is a little bit to overcome but i think what we found is that once people actually try it quite surprised that it's actually delicious and much more willing to to try again or even pass on to their friends and it does become that that little bit of a curiosity to Oh, wow, it's moonshine. I didn't know it could taste like this. And, and it does become a talk. So once we're able to get over that initial conversation, is it going to, is it going to kill me or is it going to make me go blind? I think it's a, a much easier conversation. Why should people buy a moonshine compared to buying any other spirit? You know, it's, it's the experience again and it's a connection to the history of what moonshine is. You know, it's, it's that, that reliving the times when, you know, people were drinking this in a speakeasy in in the underground basement bar uh, in New York or Chicago. You know, really what we're trying to reproduce is that same spirit and that connection to it and the connection to history. There's not a lot of people particularly that make this style of moonshine, uh, certainly not in Australia. So anytime you were to pick up, pick up a glass of moonshine and taste it, you know, you really, you're basically drinking that, that same spirit that they would have consumed back in the, the heyday of the Prohibition era. And in terms of flavour, what does it give that perhaps other spirits don't? It depends on, on if you're drinking, uh, I guess, uh, the sour mash or the original moonshine or the, the flavoured. But, you know, it's just another interesting spirit. I mean, why does anybody drink tequila over whiskey or uh, gin over vodka? You know, it's just an experience. It's to, to be able to try something new and different. You know, it's not something you're going to find in anywhere. It's certainly, uh, it's a spirit of its own. Now, if people are experimenting with it at home, should they use it like they would use a whiskey or should they perhaps use it like they would use a clear spirit, like a vodka or a gin? I would say it probably lends itself Obviously, it is a clear spirit, so it lends itself a bit more toward being used uh, like a clear spirit. You know, I would liken it more to a tequila or maybe even a, a Jennifer than a whiskey, but it can be used in whiskey-based cocktails as well. Uh, particularly, I find it goes really well in, in a uh, old-fashioned. But, you know, that's the great thing about, about moonshine and you know, spirits in general is play around with them and you can find some really, really interesting uses for things you, you wouldn't expect it would have worked. I, I think that uh, it, it lends itself to, to mixing pretty much across the board, but you know that's, that's the fun part of experimenting with. If people are experimenting, what flavors 
work well. If you were looking at the sweet tea or the apple pie to heighten the the cocktail experience. Yeah, I, I think. Listen, those are both very big big flavors: the the tea and the apple pie, uh, and. Typically, when I would use those at home, so apple pie goes really well with ginger beer, uh, and the sweet tea is amazing with uh, a lemon squash or a lemonade. Uh, they they're just very, they're already big bold flavors, so they need something quite bright. But again, they they do mix well if you uh, mix them down into a, a very, uh, I guess, a nice cocktail. Uh, they can work well. It just needs a bit more exploration um, around those. Again, the apple pie goes great in it in a old fashioned as well. So uh, really, really, it's, it just depends on, I guess, how you want to mix them. But typically, uh, personally, I, I prefer just, you know, a, a simple soda with those, those two flavors. Uh, with the moonshine, the old, the sour mash uh, really goes well with citrus uh, lemonade, particularly. Uh, we have a bootlegger lemonade that we like to make with it, which is just a shot of uh, moonshine and then uh, topped up with, with lemonade and a sprig of mint. It's delicious. What has the reaction of bartenders been to the spirit? Yeah, uh, they've been really great. We've had a really great reception uh, with bartenders. Again, it's that, you know, bartenders love new, new spirits and new things to play around with. And because it is so different, you know, really, really like to get their hands on it and just experiment. You know, particularly Melbourne bartenders is such a rich culture around mixology and and anything new they can get their hands on, they're just drawn towards. So been really fortunate uh, at the the number of uh, venues, particularly uh, really high-quality venues that have taken it on and uh, experimented with. What are the more unusual ways that you've seen bars actually use the spirit? You know, for the most part, they really like to substitute them into probably the more classics. But i tell you one that, uh, really was quite amazing was uh, Dave Kerr at the, at the Beaufort when he ran that was he took a sour mash and he made a Solera system out of coconuts and, and plumbed them together and filled it with that. And so he made a Solera, uh, Solera age uh, moonshine in coconut. Oh, for heaven's sakes. It was, it was absolutely amazing. It was really incredible. Yeah. I assume that the... Melbourne Moonshine is widely available in Australia. Yeah, mostly mostly independents at this point. Uh, we obviously have an online shop ourselves, but uh, like a lot of independents, and now we've um, we've picked up uh, distribution through Vanguard Luxury Brands, particularly for their apple pie, uh, which has been great. So that just helps get it out uh, get it out there even further. Uh, so it it is still growing, and we've been fortunate enough. From July should uh, should be in BWS as well. So uh, really, really fortunate and happy to see it going there. But yeah, really, really uh, good independence at the moment. Blackheart and Sparrows, uh, One Republic, and, and you know the uh, the single shop independents, uh, Main Street bottle shops uh, are, are the most likely place to find it at the moment. Is this a product that you would consider exporting? Um, in fact, we do uh, export at the moment, uh, particularly to Singapore and Southeast Asia, and we do have some product in New Zealand at the moment. Listen, beyond that, there is the opportunity to export. We probably aren't going to push real hard to export, obviously, at this point uh, with the things uh, the way they are. But right, uh, and of course, but we are—we're not going to take that off the table. So. 
uh, it's it, always looking for opportunities to, to get it uh, to new places. I guess we did look specifically at, at exporting to, to the U.S. a few years back. And, you know, there's arguments to take both sides uh, to export back to the States. Why would you do that? Because it is so much moonshine and already there. But, you know, it's a product they know. It's a product they understand. And it is a little bit of a point of difference because the moonshine made in Australia, going back to the States, certainly certainly is a little bit different. So we didn't ultimately uh, push forward to that. But, you know, there's no reason we, we won't look at that again in the future. But for now, we're, we're pretty settled just supplying the local market and the uh, current markets that we are exporting to. People want more information about the brand. They can, of course, go to your website, which yep. is melbournemoonshine.com. Thank you for joining us, Ben. No, that's great. Thanks so much for your time and I appreciate you having me. Cheers. And we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Cocktails Distilled. Be sure to visit cocktailcollective.com.au to access the show notes. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, cheers.